This is News Source 1 Michiana. Your balanced source of news for the community. Welcome to Michiana Speak Out with Keith Thews. An interactive podcast where we can talk to you or you can speak to us. The show begins right after the national news. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Nick Harper. Russia and China have condemned NATO expansion and reaffirmed their foreign policy coordination following a meeting of their two leaders. President Vladimir Putin is visiting Beijing to attend the opening ceremony of the Olympics, where he held talks with his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping, as FSN's Julia Chapman reports. This was the first meeting between Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping since the start of the pandemic, and the Kremlin described it as warm and constructive. In a joint statement, they condemned the use of sanctions and trade wars. They called on NATO to turn its back on Cold War approaches. The leaders also agreed that the protection of democracy and human rights shouldn't be used as a lever of pressure on other countries. Russia reiterated its opposition to Taiwan's independence and China expressed support for the security demands that Russia has put to the West. Xi Jinping was quoted by Chinese media as saying that Russia and China's strategic cooperation is unshakable. The EU has slammed the Russian government over its decision to shut down the Moscow bureau of German television network Deutsche Welle. With relations between Europe and Russia already strained, officials in Brussels say the move is yet another example of the challenges journalists face in Russia. From Brussels, FSN's Trent Murray reports. Russian authorities said they would close German broadcaster Deutsche Welle's Moscow bureau and strip its correspondents that work there of their accreditation. The move is an act of retaliation after the media regulator in Germany said Russian state broadcaster RT's German language channel was broadcasting in Germany without a licence and ordered the channel to be taken off the air. Speaking from Brussels, the EU spokesperson for foreign affairs said the decision by Moscow, quote, illustrates yet again Russia's continuous violation of media freedom and disregard for the independence of media. A fifth adviser has resigned from their role at Number 10 Downing Street as pressure on the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson continues to build. Four other members of staff have left their post within the last 24 hours. As FSN's Laura Macon Isherwood reports from London. After four members of Boris Johnson's staff left their jobs on Thursday, Friday dealt another blow to the Prime Minister. Eleanor Narazansky, a member of Number 10's policy unit, has also handed in her notice. It's the latest twist in the ongoing saga that is Boris Johnson's premiership, as tensions over whether he should remain leader continue to rumble on. Following reports, parties were held inside Downing Street during COVID-19 lockdowns. Business and the US added almost 470,000 jobs in January, an extremely strong jobs report, despite the COVID-19 Omicron variant peaking during the month across the country. The unemployment rate ticked up to 4%. From Bureaus Worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking in more depth today at Friday's meeting in Beijing between President Vladimir Putin of Russia and President Xi Jinping, his host in the Chinese capital. The Russian leader is there, of course, for the opening ceremonies of the Winter Olympics, in stark contrast to the US as it backs a diplomatic boycott of the Games. But while the Russian and Chinese leaders have emphasised an expansive agenda for their talks, it is Russia's threats towards Ukraine that serve as a 
backdrop for Vladimir Putin's journey to Beijing. Professor Angela Stent of Georgetown University is a leading analyst of the U.S. relationship with Russia and says the Ukraine tensions are pushing Moscow and Beijing closer together. Well, so China is enormously important. I don't think Putin would be doing what he's doing if he didn't realize that the Chinese would have his back. So it's true. Um, all of these things do push Russia and China closer together, make Russia more dependent on China. Uh, and we saw again in the Security Council meeting, the Chinese are not going to criticize the Russians, uh, whatever they do, even though I think we understand that the Chinese would rather not have Russia invade uh, another country unprovoked. At least not invade another country while the Winter Olympics are underway. Some analysts in Washington believe Vladimir Putin may not make a final decision about what to do with all those forces massed on Ukraine's border until the Olympics' closing ceremonies take place later this month. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. And the main news again. Russia and China have condemned NATO expansion and reaffirmed their foreign policy coordination following a meeting of their two leaders. The EU has slammed the Russian government over its decision to shut down the Moscow Bureau of German television network Deutsche Welle, and a fifth advisor has resigned from their role at Number 10 Downing Street as pressure grows on UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. There's more from us on Twitter at Feature Story. That's Feature Story News, Nick Harper reporting. <laughs> Happy Friday. Yes, it is the end of the week and the return of Michiana Speak Out. How are you doing out there? It is Friday, February the 4th, 2021. The podcast after Winter Storm, Groundhog Day 2022. Well, I apologize for the non-updates on our iRadio channel, but we've been trying to keep you up to date up on our Facebook group. And I want to thank all of you who sent in your storm photos and storm reports and comments. And we have had a lot of great listeners over to our iRadio ch channel because of the storm and um, some of the programming, but mostly because of the weather updates. I want to thank all those who have been listening. Speaking of the storm, according to Matt Rutkin, uh, here are some inches from Wednesday into Thursday, from uh, Thursday night. Lighters Ford, 17 inches. Wow. Winona Lake, 16 and a half. Akron, 16 inches. St. Joseph, 13.8. North Webster, 13.8. Topeka, 12. Niles, Michigan, 12. Warsaw, 12. Salt Bend, 11.2. Angola, 11. Buchanan, 11.5. Same for Plymouth. 11 inches for Culver. 11 for Syracuse. Heart for Michigan, 11. 10 and a half for the city with a heart with Elkhart. Same for Goshen. Same for Napanese. Elkhart County is about balanced. Columbia City, 10.2. Howe, Indiana, 9 inches. So uh, a decent, good, deep snowfall here in, uh, in Michiana south had a little dusting today and uh, we're just getting over the first day of uh, below zero or at zero wind chills and then we have one more tonight which is friday night um so be be aware of that but i just want to thank everybody for pitching in and bearing with us i know my schedule and my friends 
Um, I am a phone addict, and my friends don't want me on the phone over at their place, so I didn't get a chance to uh, update uh, the iRadio like I would like to. But, hey, we were back, and our programs are back for the weekend, Friday through Sunday morning, and then we'll be updating for the Sunday afternoon into Monday with faith and state programs and and some of the other ones that I think that you're enjoying or will definitely definitely enjoy. But uh, sad to say, um, some things do have to come to an end, and sad to say, this is going to be the last Michiana Speak Out podcast. Um, I started it back in late July of last year when we were SME Community Radio, and we were struggling with our uh, our podcast attendance. Uh, when we flipped over to an all podcast based news station back on January or July the first, and I started this podcast to try to beef up some more uh, listenership, and I appreciate those who have been a part of the uh, interviews, Adam Bajowski, and we've had um, Chad Crabtree. He's been on the show. Obviously, our own Ron Varash. I've interviewed Ron. Um, Sylvia Stark. Um, we've also interviewed the lady up in Middlebury uh, from the bank for the holidays. And uh, we had our podcast for um, Small Business Week. And for the other ones that we've got a chance to interview, I just want to thank all of those who have made, uh, and, and all of you who have made this podcast um, a part of your afternoons and uh, and tune in but never fear there is going to be an afternoon podcast and so instead of me and the reason I'm doing the the shutdown on mission speak out is because I get off of work at 3:30 in Bristol and my time is very uh constricted and so I don't have enough time to do all the production necessary to put forth and to make this a good podcast for me and so in substitute until I can get another uh, host and another show to do for your afternoons here on News Source 1 Michiana, we're going to start on Monday a brand new News to Go after- afternoon edition, which will give you all the news and stuff that you've come to enjoy here on Michiana Speak Out, it just without a, a voice host. And... Uh, so you'll get uh, your News Nation and FSN News. We'll have Paul Harvey. We'll have Pastor Joel for Happy and Whole on Him, but you just won't have a voice host in the afternoon. That'll be a lot easier for me on the production into things for time. Um, and then I will try to do some interviews on a, a shorter mini-cast periodically. I think that'll be a little bit easier on me to introduce you to businesses or newsmakers. And I'll figure out a name for that podcast, minicast, um, for all of you. But uh, I'm hoping that uh, this will be easier on me, easier um, and, and be good for you. And look forward to some fresh blood in the afternoon. And if you want to be a host, for a show on News Source 1 Michiana, 
let me know. Let us know on Facebook because we're always looking for new talent, always looking for new shows. And who's to say? You know, this is, we're growing. We're at 726 followers on Facebook since uh, we started originally as SME Community Radio, um, South Bend, Mishawaka, Elkhart Community Radio. And uh, so we're just still growing, still trying new things, experimenting, and uh, we're still here for you. So new programs come and programs go. I remember we had uh, Stephanie McIntosh Sabo had a program up here for a few weeks and then she couldn't do it anymore. So um, we evolve, we learn, and we continue to serve you here in Michiana. Well, it's going to be a lot calmer week. It's the uh, in-between week for Super Bowl. Um, we know who's going to be in. We have Cincinnati. We have the Rams. Who's going to say who's going to win? I know that the Cincinnati folks are going to be taking a day off for the kids. <laughs> a football day. Um, Super Bowl Monday sickness day that they're going to have. Also, NASCAR at the L.A. Coliseum. Yes, L.A. Coliseum's got NASCAR on with the, uh, the Bush Clash, Junior Bush Clash, whatever you want to call it. 23 uh, Monster Cup drivers um, will battle it out on Fox on Sunday night. So get out and watch it. I look forward to seeing what Ron's commentary is going to be. Ron Varash, our racing expert. And uh, the other thing is uh, the Olympics. The opening ceremonies was this morning on NBC, and it will be replayed tonight from China on uh, NBC, WNDU. Speaking of WNDU, um, on February 1st, actually it was January 31st, the GRIO uh, fully launched on channel 16.4. It is an African-American-based channel. We actually played one of their uh, podcasts from the Grio Network not too long ago, and uh, that was quite a interesting uh, podcast talking about um, people becoming abolitionists. Most of you would think that a abolitionist would be something for anti-slavery, but it's uh, a lot more than that. So uh, check it out. New channel on digital TV, 16.4 to be into you, the Grio. And uh, sometimes I might decide to uh, add their uh, a podcast or two from the Grio up here on New Source 1, Michiana. Well, it's been a great time with me hosting this show. And again, when we come back on Monday, news to go, afternoon edition will replace us. Uh, it'll be a daily afternoon podcast until we can get an actual afternoon uh, show with a host. Again, let me know if you're interested on New Source 1 Michiana. Stay warm. We have uh, more of our regular segments coming up. You stay safe. And may God be with you. You're listening to the final episode of Michiana Speak Out, but not the closing ever for some time, ever, we hope. <laughs> we'll see. But 
News Source 1 Michiana still lives on, and we're still with you as your Michiana Internet News Hotspot. Weekend Weather Forecast Friday Opening ceremonies for the Winter Olympics live at 6 a.m. on WNDU with the evening replay. Mostly sunny and cold, with a high near 19. Wind chill values as low as minus 10. North wind around 5 miles per hour becoming southwest in the afternoon. Friday night a 30% chance of snow showers, mainly before 1 a.m. Mostly cloudy, with a low around 4. Wind chill values as low as minus 5. West wind around 10 miles per hour Saturday mostly sunny and cold, with a high near 18. Wind chill values as low as minus 10. West wind 5 to 10 miles per hour becoming south in the afternoon. Saturday night mostly clear, with a low around 10. South wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour Sunday mostly sunny, with a high near 27. Sunday night mostly cloudy, with a low around 14. Monday partly sunny, with a high near 26. Christian comrades, we're at war. The devil is hard at work in our day, and he's looking to destroy us. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church, and we've been looking at Ephesians 6, where Paul tells us to put on the armor of God that we might stand firm in the evil day. Now, at the end of the armor list, we read in verse 18 that we're to be praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Friends, Paul wants us to recognize our complete dependence on God during wartime. He began this section with four commands to stand. Now he ends with four commands to pray, emphasizing the need and importance of believing and expectant prayer. Paul wants us to see what a privilege we have to go to Almighty God while reminding us, it just makes sense to pray all the time because the battle never stops. You have the when at all times in the spirit. One commentator writes, the spirit stands by the side of believers to prompt them to pray, to direct them whom to pray for and how to pray, as well as to energize them in praying for themselves and others. You have the what, all prayer and supplication. You hear supplication, what's that? That's a call for supplies, my friend. Supplies on the battlefield. Perhaps John Piper's helpful here. He writes, We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Life is war. That's not all it is, but it is certainly that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. As an inner-city church planner, I consider Heart City's particular deployment. We're at the tip of the sword of God's penetration to enemy territory. 
So we better constantly be calling in for supplies for air support from above. We also have the how of prayer. We are to keep alert with all perseverance. Earlier, Paul said we wrestle with the enemy. Now we're to wrestle with God like Jacob did. Spurgeon compared persevering prayer to shaking fruit from a tree. He said, sometimes you have to plant your feet, get a firm hold of it, and shake it with all your might until you strain every muscle and sinew in order to get the fruit down. And we're to be alert, watchful, which means expecting the Lord's return at any time while never assuming the devil's too occupied today to launch an attack on us. We also have the for whom of prayer, for all the saints, and it is to be done by all the saints. Friends, prayer is a God-ordained means by which you and all others are being saved. You know that I am convinced that Satan may not be that worried about anything we do except pray. God has ordained this as a means to bring salvation to the world. Prayer. A few days ago, I talked about how Winston Churchill took office when it looked like unprecedented disaster. The English had not taken the fact they were at war very seriously, and Germany blitzed their lines and had 300,000 Allied troops surrounded. Churchill thought his first, one of his first acts was to be to publicly announce the anticipated catastrophe. But he first met with King George. And the next day, May 24th, the king called for the nation to pray. And by Sunday, May 26th, folks throughout England were flocking to the churches to pray. At Westminster, the line of folks extended for blocks, and many kept vigils. A British newspaper reported, Nothing like this has ever happened before. On the same day, German high command was reporting that the British were encircled and German troops were proceeding to their annihilation. But not all was as it seemed to be on the ground. Something baffles historians as much as it did Hitler's own generals. On the very day George called the nation to pray, Hitler inexplicably called a halt to the offensive. During the three days England was on bended knees, the German tanks remained grounded, and next came rain and clouds that kept the German planes from detecting the exodus, because in England word got out that anyone with a boat could help ferrymen. So 850 unarmed vessels joined in, many which should never have tried to cross the English Channel, especially a normally choppy English Channel, which suddenly became as calm as could be, so even rowboats could join in the evacuation. On June 4th, the last of 338,000 troops were delivered from the enemy. My doubting friends, even agnostic Churchill admitted he had witnessed a miracle. If they had not been praying, can you imagine? And if you have not been praying, I think today is a wonderful day to begin. Who knows what enemies may get halted, what cover or calm might occur, and more. Maybe even pray for us. What souls like a little church plant like Heart City might roll out to find and bring home to the King, who not only taught us to pray, but the King who seeks and saves those who are lost, that he may rejoice over them. My friends, remember who you are and who you belong to. Greetings. I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. We've been looking at how to stand firm against the devil and his deceptions. And we've been focusing on Ephesians 6, where the Apostle Paul teaches us 
about the armor of God. And yesterday I made clear that the armor is not simply equipment we receive from God, but the armor of God. It's the armor that our Lord Jesus wore as he triumphed against our enemies. We put on his armor. Paul said we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, verses 10 and 11. You see, for Paul, union with our Lord Jesus Christ is the key to victory. Paul actually uses the phrase in Christ no less than 36 times in this letter, more than any other letter. Joel, what does it mean to be in Christ? Friend, it means you have two locations. Paul actually wrote this letter to the saints in Ephesus who are also in Christ. You and I, well, we're living in America, a place with values and history, which shapes us and even defines us. And we've received many benefits from being in America. It's the same thing to be in Christ. To be in Christ is to share in his values and in his history of victory in this world. We're to be caught up in who he is. And we actually find who he is and his values in the armor he wears. The armor that Paul tells us to put on in verses 13 to 17. We first have the belt of truth. And it shouldn't surprise us that Paul lists this first because of who the devil is in Ephesians. The devil is a schemer, a liar who seeks to blur what the truth is, to create an atmosphere, a fog of lies, so you can't even see what truth is. And Paul has spoken of the word in truth in chapter 1 and how the truth is in Jesus in chapter 4. What this means is we need to be in God's word looking to Jesus and preaching to ourselves what is true about God, true about ourselves and true about our world. Otherwise, we're not going to have any confidence in a day where everybody's perspective on truth is deemed equally valid. Do you have any pants in your closet that are kind of loose, that won't stay up if you decided not to wear a belt? Friend, you better be appropriating God's truth every day. Or you're going to run into situations where you're challenged and you're suddenly going to find your pants down around your ankles. Try standing firm then. And God has also given us the breastplate of righteousness, which is, covers up all our vital organs. We live righteously because we remember who we are in Christ. The breastplate protects us when we're tempted to sin and use our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. And we remember Christ in us when Satan tempts us to despair. Martin Luther was once asked how he overcame the devil, and he replied, Well, when he comes up knocking on the door of my heart and asks, who lives here? The dear Lord Jesus goes to the door and says, Martin Luther used to live here, but he has moved out. Now I live here. The devil, seeing the nail prints in the hands and the pierced side, takes flight immediately. Next comes our feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In our day of division, Christians should be strange because we have happy news of peace to share. Now that doesn't mean wear a big smile even when things are crashing down. Missionary Leslie Newbigin was once asked if he was an optimist or a pessimist about his day. And he said, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. End of conversation. You see, the Bible neither commands us to be optimists nor pessimists. What it does command is that we live and speak as a people of hope because our God reigns. 
we stand firm in our wobbly day because our feet are shod with the gospel. Next, Paul tells us to take up the shield of faith in all circumstances. And this isn't the round Captain America shield. It's actually a rectangular piece of wood about two and a half feet by four feet. Imagine walking around with a small oak door representing the faithfulness of God, our relationship with Jesus. And that's what you need when a cruel word or a thought hits you like a flaming dart. I find that to be a really apt description. How the pain doesn't subside, but rather it continues to burn long after you've been hit. That is why we take hold firmly of the promises of God when it's burning. I call out to the God who promises to be with me, and I discover He is. Deuteronomy 31.8 And next we put on the helmet of salvation. And this piece of equipment makes it clear above all that this is God's armor because we don't save ourselves. And then we come to that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it's the one piece of equipment that is clearly offensive and not defensive. And I hope we take in its power. I know we don't see many swords in our day. It's, you know, an antiquated weapon you'd see in a museum. And most folks would not think that it can effectively meet today's challenges. I mean, how many scholars have sought to tear apart our ancient manuscript to pieces, challenging its truth claims? Friends, that is the devil's special scheme in our day. Actually, Charles Spurgeon once remarked about why scholars in his day had torn apart Deuteronomy. He said it was the devil's revenge because Jesus quoted Deuteronomy to feed him in the wilderness. My friends, we cannot advance the kingdom of God. We cannot stand firm with a mutilated Bible. We'll only advance insofar as we hold tightly to all of God's word. And you'll advance in your Christian life only insofar as you are reading and praying the word. You dare not head out into battle without God's word in your heart for the spirit to use. My friends, this is how you will be strong in the Lord, in Christ, and in the power of his might. Remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. In Ephesians 6, verses 13 to 17, the Apostle Paul admonishes us to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I remember as a child in Sunday school taking cardboard, construction paper, aluminum foil, and we all fashioned battle gear based on this passage. And then during the morning service, we marched around the sanctuary singing Reba Ramble McGuire's song, Ready for Battle. I've got my feet shod with the preparation of peace. Got my sword of the spirit, my shield of faith. Got my breastplate of righteousness, my helmet of salvation. I put on my armor and I'm ready for the battle. Does any of you remember that song from the 80s? And I remember raising my sword and singing at the end, Satan, you hear me? I'm declaring war. It made quite the impression on me, as you can tell by the fact I still have that song stuck in my head some 30 plus years later. 
And that song helped me to think rightly, rightly about the reality of the war all around us. But friends, I believe there's a problem with that song. I was left with a wrong impression about where my confidence was found. I sang my sword, my shield, my breastplate, my helmet, my armor. But in Ephesians, Paul is not telling me to put on my armor and declare my individual war on the devil. Paul says in the opening to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, verse 10. And that didn't make it into the song and it really didn't occur to me. I thought armed with these tools from God, I was able to chase Satan and blind demons in my own strength. Now you may think I'm being overly critical here and I'm willing to be corrected, but I really want us to think about how we think about the spiritual battle because our adversary is dangerous. Remember in Ephesians, the devil is a schemer, a distorter of truth, trying to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ. He wants us to place our eyes on ourselves. You remember his first ever lie to humanity was, you will be like God. And I know I like that thought. And apparently so does everyone else. My wife and I went to a bookstore recently, and you know what was the largest section in the whole place? The self-help section. They hold forth the many different problems we face. They reveal the sources. And what is the answer every time? The solution to all your problems is always the same. It's you. It's the self-help section. All you need is to unlock the power of you. And perhaps you simply need a few tools to unleash the power of you. You know why there's a never an end to the writing of self-help books? Because they get the problem and the solution wrong. You see, we're the problem and the Lord Jesus is the solution. And it's only when we're united to him that we can stand firm against the devil. That is Paul's whole point. We need to repent of making much of ourselves and then put our hope in the one who first wore this armor. Now, some scholars think that Paul was looking at the Roman soldier he was chained to when he wrote this passage. They're wrong. Paul was remembering his Old Testament. In Isaiah 59, we read, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. Paul remembered Isaiah 59 and Paul remembered Isaiah 11, the shoot of the root of Jesse, the spirit empowered son of David who comes armed with a rod wearing a belt. Paul's not looking at a Roman soldier. He's quoting from Isaiah to tell us how God himself donned armor, how Jesus came to earth and declared war on the devil to rescue we who were helpless, helpless in our sin. Jesus came in our flesh and defeated the devil in his earthly ministry. Jesus defeated sin at the cross and Jesus defeated death at the grave. We could say Jesus coming was the D-Day operation and the church today is now in the mop-up campaign advancing into enemy-occupied territory, but ever remembering that a defeated foe can prove most fierce as we look to set the captives free, as we move closer to the day when our Lord Jesus returns. You and I, friend, we can have confidence 
because we are in Christ, because we're wearing his armor, but we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, trusting his strength with every advance we make. So your duty, soldier, is to distrust your own ability in order that you might more fully rely on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is stronger than all. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Now the rest of the story. They never called it Dead Man's Curve. Maybe they should have. People had already paid with their lives for traveling that scenic stretch of Sunset Boulevard. That's why the curve was improperly banked in the first place. Why the road itself was leaning the wrong way to enhance the scenery. For eight motorists, the breathtaking view became literally that. It was the last thing they ever saw. January 24, 1961, Melvin was driving on Sunset Boulevard a few blocks from UCLA. He was approaching that hazardous curve. Night had fallen. The speed limit was 35. Melvin was driving under that. He looked up at a street sign, Bellagio Road, where one would be turning next to Bel Air. But the next instant, everything became nothing. For driving in the opposite direction was a brand new Oldsmobile. Behind the wheel was an 18-year-old boy. The young man said he was doing the limit when his car swerved into the oncoming lanes and head-on into Melvin. The boy's injuries were negligible. But it took firemen to cut Melvin out of his Aston Martin. Since the scene of the accident was so close to UCLA Hospital, Melvin was taken there. At the time his family converged, specialists were discussing the case. Melvin had a triple skull fracture. He had arrived unconscious. He was still in a coma. His wife Estelle and his son Noel stayed at his bedside watching in anguish as doctor after doctor tried to revive him, their efforts in vain. The hours became days and Melvin remained comatose. Each morning a physician would walk into the hospital room, stand by the bed and call Melvin's name, never a response until one specialist learned about Melvin's split personality, that there was another personality, somebody else living inside Melvin's head, who had a name all his own. And one morning on a hunch, that specialist stood at Melvin's bedside, and he called out the other name. And Melvin, in that personality, which was so unlike his own, in that voice, so unlike his own, responded. Now, later Melvin said that all of the while he was in a coma, he believed that he was dead, that he personally had been killed in that car crash, that there were survivors. Yes, more than one running around in Melvin's traumatized brain. Other characters, other personalities, hundreds each distinct from one another. After three weeks, Melvin was still in a coma, still believing that he was dead, and yet responding to doctors in hundreds of voices which were not his own voice. By then, the city of Los Angeles had rebanked the dangerous curve on Sunset Boulevard, for it had so nearly robbed the world of so many on that dark January night. For Melvin was Mel Blanc, the creator of those many. It was based on his versatile voice that more than 400 cherished characters came into being, cartoon stars like Barney Rubble and Speedy Gonzalez, Yosemite Sam and Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. 
Mel Blank came out of the coma. He's well today. For decades, you've loved the wonderful creatures he gave life. Now you'll never forget the day they saved his life. For now you know the rest of the story. Thanks for watching. Check out some of our other videos and don't forget to like the video and subscribe. Just click the logo on the left. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend.